The following is Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. Welcome back. This is Chrissy Coughlin, and I am your host of Nature of Business. And welcome on this Wednesday morning. It is a lovely Wednesday morning for sure. And we, I am very excited that we have Walt Fries on the line today. Uh, Walt is the former CEO of Ben and Jerry's, and he also served as president for Celestial Seasonings. And he is has graciously given us his uh, time this morning to talk to us about his experiences at Ben and Jerry's. And welcome, Walt. How are you? I'm, I'm doing very well, Chrissy. How are you? I am doing great. I'm doing absolutely terrifically. So um, it's wonderful to talk to you. I'm really excited about talking to you from the perspective of, of you. You've been out of, of, of Ben and Jerry's for about a year and a half now, but you certainly have been one at the forefront of, of sustainability and running companies that are socially conscious. And you've done it in an incredibly effective way. Can you talk to us, talk to us about your experience at Ben and Jerry's first and, and give us the rundown on that. And what, why did you want to go work for a company like Ben and Jerry's? Well, I took some time off probably about uh, mid career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd had a lot of success in, in conventional business. I'm, I'm grateful to say, but it wasn't everything that I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And I took six months off with my wife and daughter in Boulder, Colorado, beautiful place to be. Beautiful. And um, really thought very clearly and went through this process of consciously thinking about what I wanted the rest of my life, both my work life and my life to be about. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that became very clear for me is it needed to be uh, about making, uh, making significant and progressive change in the world. And that could be in a nonprofit or for-profit form. But I wanted to put my skills to use for to that end. So it became it was very conscious on my part. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what first being in Boulder uh, brought me to Celestial Seasonings, a uh, terrific values-led company uh, in, in Boulder that is now part mm-hmm. of the, uh, the Haines Celestial Group. And mm-hmm. it taught me about the, uh, the, the power of, of shared vision, of shared values, about what that meant in the world, and about what that meant at a personal level, um, mm-hmm. not just for myself, but for all of our employees. Mm-hmm. And it also demonstrated to me that you can lead with your values and be successful too. Which is an how do you? How do you? To take how away. do you? Give us an example of that. Give us an example: leading by values and be, being successful too. I love that. There's this common belief out there in business that to be a values-led company, you are somehow less disciplined in conventional business terms. And I think it's just an, an, an error in thinking based on history. Uh, the fact of the matter is that if you run a good values-led business and put it to work in the world and people see that, uh, my experience has taught me that you will earn uh, more and more loyal consumers. Mm. Now, on a financial basis, what that means is, and you can go all the way back to great work done by Fred Reicheld and Bain & Company in the 90s, very buttoned-up management consulting firm. The Mm -hmm. number one predictor of a company's profitability is its consumer loyalty. 
Consumers tend to be more loyal to companies that stand for something that they believe in in the world. Now, if you don't have a great product or you don't have a great service, it's not going to make up for it. But if you have a great product or service and can stand for something that people truly admire, you're going to earn more loyal customers, you're going to grow your business faster, and you're going to be more profitable. Tell us about, uh, I mean, that Ben & Jerry's is a, do you think that Ben & Jerry's is an anomaly? Do you think that that was just something that, that happened that just sort of serendipitous? It's like these two guys, they were kind of anti-business, living in Vermont, didn't really know what was going on, had their truck, their ice cream, then figured out distribution, really fought for distribution, had to actually get people involved to fight the powers that be to get their placement, you know, product placement. Do you think that, tell, what, do you, what is your feeling about the success of Ben & Jerry's from that standpoint? Well, it's an anomaly in the sense that it was the first. It was the first business to be based on uh, the concept of caring capitalism. And mm. that's very much thanks to the, the brilliance of two heroes of mine that, <laughs> that I was fortunate enough <laughs> and am fortunate enough today to call friends as well. Yes. And when they started their business as an ice cream scoop shop in an abandoned gas station in Burlington, <laughs> Vermont, it was simply as a way to make a living. Uh, it yeah. was less expensive than getting into the bagel business. Right. Um, strange but true. Uh, but what happened was this, as they became more successful through these innovative flavors, through their fun, through their irreverence, through their community orientation, they found themselves turning more and more into real business people. Yeah. And it was at that point in time that they really had this crisis of, of, of consciousness. They said, uh, and, and Ben Cohen in particular said, how can we be business people. Business is something that has done so much harm in the world. How in good conscience can we, can we do this any longer? They seriously thought about selling the business. Mm -hmm. um, and they reached a friend of theirs, asked them a very important, or made a very important point to them. He said, if you don't like what business stands for today, why don't you challenge yourselves to create a different model of business? And this is where Ben and Jerry's three-part mission statement came about. Mm -hmm. uh, the mission statement basically said that the business and all three parts of the mission were going to be equal, but that the business was going to be a progressive force for change in the world, particularly relative to social and economic justice, the environment, and community at large. Um, secondly, it said it was going to run the business in a financial manner that was responsible and rewarding for its owners or shareholders and its employees. And the third said it was going to make the best all-natural ice cream products in the world that it knew how to make. And I'm paraphrasing here, but that was essentially right. the mission of the company. Let's not talk about the marketing aspect because you are, you are a marketer too. By before you actually were the CEO, you sure. were the head of marketing. And mm -hmm. how much does that play into it? I mean, obviously like I remember being in college and saying, you know, I'm, I'm hungry. I'm going to go get a pint of Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> and part of what was so fun was that the, the, 
the the flavor, the the names of the flavors, obviously the taste, but you know, it was just so fun. You felt like you were part of something. You know, it's it's that it's that feeling of of product. You know, just you know the the product loyalty, etc. How much does that play a part? I think it plays a critical part, and and this is where everything is cut from the same bolt of cloth because. When I first assumed, and you're, you're right, both at, at Celestial Seasonings and at Ben & Jerry's, I was in a marketing role before I assumed a senior executive role. Um, and what's so critical about, uh, about marketing is when I took the marketing role at Ben & Jerry's, I changed the title from chief marketing officer to chief anti-marketing officer. <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, That's great. Yeah, because I said anything that feels like marketing, I'm not particularly a fan of most marketing. Most marketing convinces you or attempts to convince you that you are deficient in some way hmm. and that this product or service will help you to be sufficient or at least hmm. okay. Uh, ben & Jerry's wasn't about that. Ben & Jerry's was about authenticity. Ben & Jerry's was about talking to people in, as, as real human beings, as we would to, to friends. It was about fun. It was about irreverence. It was about quality. It was about values. And all those things went into our marketing. And I think one of the things that people were responding to was the fact that this isn't hype. It's not a gimmick. These are real people talking about things that are really important to them and doing their best to practice that in the world, whether it be the quality of the products, whether it be uh, social and environmental activism, um, whether it be even running a good business. When you've gotten behind the helm here, you have really done, an, you, you, you did a very good job with both companies in increasing revenue in a very short time. Mm -hmm. And Thank you. What is, what, what is, what's, the, what's the secret, what's, what's the secret ingredient, no pun intended, in, uh -huh. in, in doing that? Well, great people always help. I'm, you know, I'm very fortunate to say had a terrific, terrific uh, team at Ben & Jerry's and, of course, the, uh, the, the great uh, heritage of the, of the company that Ben & Jerry found. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, I'd say there, when it comes to the success relative to the fundamentals, a big piece of it for us was innovation with regard to new products mm -hmm. uh, and blazing new ground there innovation in terms of what we would call our go-to-market strategy or how we approached um, the, the marketing of our products. And what we said um, was, was this. Um, we really couldn't compete at a dollar level with large consumer products brands. So we mm. might have considered ourselves, many people would have considered us back then when we were doing $240 million in sales large, but compared to the budgets of huge companies out there who are spending you know, 15, 20, some of them $100 million a year in advertising, what right. we could do was minuscule. It also wasn't aligned with our values, what we were about. We weren't talking at people. So right. we, we focused on things like not just product innovation, but also innovating in terms of our use of PR, the web, social media, um, and integrating different aspects of campaigns that made them both very effective and affordable. Mm -hmm. So to give you an example, first thing we did um, when I was associated with the company in 2001 
is we decided we were going to tackle the issue of global warming. Now, this was before Al Gore or a lot of other people were uh, you know, trumpeting this issue. We wanted to get out on the forefront, make people aware of it. So I, I do have to say in saying that Al Gore <laughs> has done a tremendous amount and continues to do an incredible amount uh, to, to bring the world's attention to this issue. Um, so we partnered with the Dave Matthews Band and 19 leading environmental organizations um, to raise awareness of this issue. Mm. We created a flavor uh, called One Sweet World. I remember. <laughs> based on, based on a, a, a song by the, by the band. Um, we developed a dedicated website to explain what global warming was and what people could do about it. Uh, you know, both at a personal level and at a, uh, a local and global level. We uh, established a dedicated, you know, the dedicated website. We went on Facebook and got involved in social media. We brought the message into our scoop shops and got uh, uh, our uh, consumers involved at that level. We generated a ton of PR through events that included uh, the Dave Matthews Band, these major environmental organizations, most of the, just about anyone that you would know, uh, you know on, a, on a top of mind basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we found out was that we were able to, we had a national press conference at the uh, National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what we found out was that we would generate hundreds of millions of media impressions, raise awareness of the issue. And, of course, in the process, it was great for the ice cream flavor. It was great for the business and brand. But one thing I can't underscore enough for anybody uh, in business and looking at something like this is it has to be authentic. You can't say we're doing this in order to sell more ice cream. Exactly. You have to say we're doing this because we believe it's the right thing to do. Because you'll know the difference. Your employees will know the difference. And consumers will know the difference. And you have to have a good product, too. I mean, I think that was also, you know, I mean, it, it, what 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 speaks to me the most here is the is the, the the issue of collaboration. And I heard this so much yesterday at the conference that that you you everybody got together. You made it fun. Everybody collaborated. And the people who bought the product had fun and felt like they were part of something. Right. And, 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 and consumers and, have named some of our top flavors. It's <laughs> so everything from. Uh, from Cherry Garcia to uh, Chubby Hubby have, have right. uh, actually come as a result of consumer interaction with the with the brand, and that that talks about the personal relationship, and that's exactly the relationship we want. Right, right. We were just talking about the employ the customers and how you you Ben and Jerry's has been so adept about listening to the customers and involving them. How about what was your experience with employees? How did they? How did how did when you stepped into that role, uh, your initial role as marketing, you know, director and then and then president, uh, CEO? Uh, what did you see in terms of the employee involvement? Had they created a culture there from the inception, or is it something that you had to build out as a leader? Well, I think Ben and Jerry, when they had started the company, had very much made this a a company, not just a mission driven company, but also a company with virtually no hierarchy, very flat organization where people felt the opportunity to be involved, engaged. Um, and, and this was not just a, uh, a job. This, they were on a mission. This was part of what they wanted their life to be about. 
Mm-hmm. Now, over time, through a series of changes, uh, the company had lost a bit of that. Um, uh, it had become you know, a little more uh, hierarchical. Uh, people felt less empowered and certainly less engaged in terms of the role of, uh, that they played in the business. So my, my, my mission as CEO was to get back to, not just get back to and then take a step forward relative to uh, employee engagement, because this was, you know, this was head, heart, and soul for me. It was for many people there. And we needed to harness that energy, that intelligence, that creativity um, to really unlock the potential of the business, to really do justice to the mission and the quality of our products. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started out doing everything from... Um, you know, roundtable lunches where it was less about employees being talked to and it, it, instead we were talking with our employees. We learned That's over good. time, you know, that any topic was fair game, any idea was fair game, and it w- wasn't only tolerated, it was encouraged, and we enjoyed it. And those became fun meetings. Uh, of course, we also had more formal meetings where we would talk about um, the results of the company uh, across all three components of the mission statement, so social, financial, and product. And we would always make sure to build in time at the end where we presented our employees with one pressing question that we were facing as a company or challenge. Uh, we learned that a lot of people were uncomfortable speaking publicly, so we broke people up into teams. They mm-hmm. went off into rooms around the building. They came back after probably about a 45-minute discussion, chose one person to present on behalf of the team. And at the end of the day, we were virtually getting everybody's input into these major issues. Now, the beauty of that was, A, we got some great ideas, and B, even when we made decisions that that certain people didn't agree with, because, of course, you're never going to uh, be aligned with everyone, and sometimes hard decisions have to be made, um, What we found is people were far more supportive and engaged, even when you took a different direction, because they believed that they had been heard and that it really mattered. Yep. That is the key. I I heard that a lot yesterday, too, at this conference. I mean, it's just that's and the um, breaking it into teams and having a spokesperson, I think, is 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 true, because when you talk to some people are comfortable getting up and and you take that for granted, you know, and, and, and but they want to be heard. Um, and I, I will that, tell you, some of our most creative people yeah, were yeah. introverts. <laughs> you know, so you, you really got to, uh, to, and you want to harness all that energy. So, what are you what What are you doing now? So, what I'm doing right now is is a variety of things. Locally, I'm uh, I'm focusing, and a lot more of my attention is local right now because uh, one of the things when you're de- dealing with global issues, like I did at Ben and Jerry's, covering everything from global warming, to Forest Stewardship Council certification for our packaging, to uh, hydrocarbon uh, uh, free uh, freezers, to cage-free eggs, and you you name it, Um, is I didn't get involved as as involved as I would have liked to on the one-to-one personal caring level. Mm. Um, So I've gotten involved more in uh, in things like... um, community shelters, 
uh, disaster relief post uh, all the flooding here in Vermont to do it through Tropical Storm uh, Irene, uh, things of that nature, promoting um, the the, uh, the eat local uh, and organic uh, movements here in Vermont. Uh, but I've also got involved in, in maintaining involvement at a global level in things like uh, global disaster relief with the United Nations. Um, wow. So I've done I've done both, and have also always been there for for friends or businesses that I really believed in uh, on a values basis to uh, to offer advice or or guidance. So you're you're staying you're staying in the in the field and and but in a more personal level. So you're able to sort of continue what you're doing and 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 you still get to do it at, at a young age. Isn't that fabulous? <laughs> It is, and, and you know, and the thing is, I wouldn't a heartbeat for the right challenge for the right values-led company get back in the game. But what I've found too is that those companies are few and far between. You and still feel that way? They are, unfortunately, okay. you know, few and far between. And um, so I'm, I'm fortunate in being in a position where if it does come along, that's terrific. And if not, I will find other creative, constructive wonderful ways, at least from my perspective, to, uh, to get engaged. How do you think Ben and Jerry's is doing now? And do you think they're still on track without you? You know, what I'm, I'm looking at is, is, is this, is I even, you know, looked at the website going into this interview. I'm very gratified to see that everything that was put in place, uh, while I was leading the company and a lot of the initiatives that had just been started, uh, are continuing to uh, are continuing to be built, mm. worked against, and thriving. So I'm very encouraged to see that. I can't that's, say a lot about the day-to-day operations because I've consciously stayed out of all that. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's appropriate, and it also is right because it gives my successor a chance to truly own own their role as as they need to. Of course, of course. So one of my last questions is what, you know, of course, a very important question. Uh, what, what, what is your favorite flavor? Your favorite. <laughs> I mean, we got, yeah, you got to ask it, right? I have to tell you, it changes, Chrissy, from, uh, from uh, week to week. But I'd, I'd have to say over time, but probably most often, fish food, which is uh, something we did with the, with the, <laughs> with the brand uh, fish to uh, help serve local, you know, uh, um, water um, uh, water issues with Lake Champlain, one of the largest lakes in the U.S., and the uh, you know and cleaning up that lake. Um, mm-hmm. But it's uh, chocolate ice cream with uh, marshmallows and caramel. It's so good. It's terrific. It's so so I, I'd say that's probably my go-to flavor. And they just, <laughs> by the way, you know, the, the band just did a benefit for the uh, flood victims of of Tropical Storm Irene here in Vermont. So, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that's, that is that, that, that's good to hear. I like New York Super Fudge Chunk. Can't go wrong. That's also a top 10 flavor. I just, I'm such a chocoholic. I just can't get out. I just, I don't know. It's my go-to. And it's really just the ice cream, too. I'm like, you know, the yogurt. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. But you know what? I'm going to do it. <laughs> do the ice cream. There are certain times so. you just need it. I will tell you, we got a letter from a sorority once that I just loved. And they said, Ben and Jerry's is our breakup ice cream. Whenever one of us <laughs> breaks up with a boyfriend, we all break out the Ben and Jerry's and we feel a lot better afterwards. So thank I you. love that. You're a lot younger than I am, but we were all burning a lot, cal- a lot more calories back then. 
Exactly. Uh, well, this has been absolutely wonderful. Thank you for your time. This, is, this you, has Chris. been terrific. Okay, I'll talk to I you soon. It. All the best. Bye now. All the best. Bye. The proceeding has been Nature of Business with Chrissy Coughlin in association with GreenBiz.com. 